Good evening. Welcome to Earthmakers, spiritual care for real humans. My name is Joey. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I'm a recovering addict and the grateful creator and host of this podcast. Take a deep breath. Settle in. This space is for you. Hi, friends. Joey here. Today we are talking about a crucial question, one that I've been sort of mulling over in my head and one that I've brainstormed with some loved ones. The question is, how do I live with myself after hurting someone? How do I live with myself after hurting someone? Well, let's start here. Uh, we Buddhists uh, have a, a precept, that, uh, one of many, uh, and it is do no harm. And those of us who are contemporaries and Buddhism practitioners uh, have rephrased it. It's no longer do no harm, it's do the least amount of harm as possible. This is an important rephrasing. Why? Because just to live and exist in the world as a human being is to do harm. Uh, I may not actively harm people in my life, but I may step on ants and may crush grasses with my feet. I might order food that was manufactured by factory farms. I drive a car. I spend time on cruise ships. Well, I don't personally. Um, (laughs) I don't like cruises, but other people might. Um, Which is destroying the environment. I murder innocent microscopic life all the time, all the time, every day, in every movement. Look at the clothes you're wearing right now. Something that you're wearing was probably, unless it was made by somebody that you know, was probably made by someone in slave labor possibly even a child in slave labor. You might do all kinds of good things, but to exist in this world is to do harm. Now, harm may mean different things to different people, and the scope of harm may be bigger or smaller depending on how you view it. My Younger brother, for example, is a vegan and an animal rights advocate. And so he considers um, eating meat to be harm and promoting continued harm, violence against innocent animals. I used to be a vegan and a vegetarian for several years. I'm not any longer. Do I think my brother is correct in his assessment? In a lot of ways, yes, but I also don't think it's as cut and dry 
as my brother thinks it is. That's okay. For a lot of us who consider ourselves compassionate, thoughtful people, for a lot of us who may even consider ourselves good people, like we might say, but I'm a good person, Joey. I don't harm anybody on purpose, so any harm that I do is is on accident. But we still ask the question of ourselves, whether out loud or in the silence of our hearts, is there ever going to be a time when I can get beyond harm? Can I get and move beyond harm? Do you, what do you think? Do you think it's possible for us to get beyond harm? No, I don't think it's possible. <clears throat> the greatest spiritual teachers, Jesus and the Buddha, did not come to teach us how to get beyond harm, but how to do the least amount of harm as humanly possible, to engage in practices and skills that help us do less harm. Because we're human, and by virtue of being human, we harm. So maybe we need to rein our expectations in, or our desires in. Maybe that's what you need to do today. My friends, you are not going to get beyond harm. We are not going to get beyond harm. But we can hope to do the least amount of harm as possible. <clears throat> so first, when you ask yourself the question, how do I live with myself after I have harmed someone? And many of us have harmed people. I'm a recovering addict. When I look back on my past, or even just today, I have done harm in some way. I've said or, or done things that have hurt people. This is why in the 12 steps of recovery, there are written in there steps for making amends. It's considered a vital part of the process because harm is integral to addiction and to addict level behavior. So first, you can take take a breath. Just just breathe a sigh of relief <clears throat> because first, you know, this is good news. Um because you're human, you're going to do harm. I don't care. I do not care what people say, how good they think they are, that moralism, that goodness, how self-importance shit. It's garbage. It's garbage. And it's weighing you down. It's garbage that is burdening you. So let's set it down, okay? Let's not be arrogant pieces of shit, <laughs> okay? Uh, Everybody harms. Everybody. Okay? <clears throat> At some point, you're going to harm. Whether intentionally or unintentionally. Intentional harm is problematic. But we often think that we're off the hook when we say, well, I didn't do it intentionally. I, I unintentionally harmed this person, so that means I'm okay. Well, 
It might mean that you have a moral compass. It might mean that you have values. Good, good, good thing that you have values. That's good. You're pointed in the right direction. You're following the truth. These are good things. These are helpful things to note, okay? But harm is still harm. And our call in this lifetime, my friends, is to do the least amount of harm as possible. So whatever we need to adjust in our day-to-day behaviors, whatever we're doing, or whatever we've left undone, right? We need to start reshaping those things, reframing those things, removing certain behaviors and habits and non-behaviors and non-habits from our day-to-day routine that are creating harm. You can shape your reality and the ways in which you relate to others. Oftentimes when we talk about harm, right? Harm is always about relationship, but when we talk about it, typically speaking, we are talking about the harm that we are inflicting on another human being. And 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 we hate that. Especially those of us who give a fuck, <laughs> you know? Like like me and and you, earthmakers. We earthmakers care. <clears throat> we care about the harm. It matters to us. I want to tell you a story. I'm incriminating myself a little bit here by telling this story, but I I have no fear. This happened when I was a child, and it's a story that has stuck with me for a number of reasons. When I was... um, a, a little kid, I think I was probably seven or eight when this happened. My family, my two parents and my three siblings and I were all playing a game of kickball in the backyard on a nice summer day. Now, my dad loves his children very much to this day, a very loving parent. I'm really grateful for my dad. We have a good relationship one of the ways my dad shows love and has shown love is by is through humor and by using humor to pick on his children, to tease them a little bit. He likes to tease. He likes to poke the bear, never maliciously, never abusively, never in a harassing manner, but just in a fun manner. Now, there have been many times in my life where I have been, been feeling a little sensitive and my dad will pick on me or tease me, and I my reaction is to say, hey, Dad, uh, no, please stop that. And my dad respects that. Well, this particular day, my dad was being particularly um, pokey, <laughs> in the sense that he was really poking the bear that day, and he was really enjoying teasing me in particular. Now, I have no idea what was going on in seven-year-old Joey's mind. But at one point, I turned to my dad, and in front of my family, I yelled, Dad, if you don't stop, I'm going to choke you to death. Dad, if you don't stop, I'm going to choke you to death. Now, where would a seven-year-old come up with that? 
I had just heard a news story, I remember, not long before, about a kid who was being abused by his parents, and the child choked his father out in an attempt to save his own life. And after reading the story, it stuck with me, it haunted me, it mortified me, that story, that this child killed his own father, and that the father was being abusive to the child. Now, my father was not being abusive to me, but in the moment, I didn't, ha I was seven, I didn't have the language to frame my emotions appropriately and to set a boundary with my dad in a healthy manner and say, Dad, this is not an appropriate time for you to be picking on me. I'm, I'm feeling sensitive today. Could you please stop? I need you to stop. Right? I didn't have the intellect or the emotional intelligence or the wise mind to bring this to my dad. I wasn't skilled enough. I'm seven years old. But still, regardless, I did harm. What I said was wrong. I can use all the excuses that I want. But what I did, even at seven, was harmful. So after the kickball game ended, my dad had gone completely silent. Right? And all of us went into the house, and I didn't think anything of it. I just moved on with my day. And at one point, I realized my dad hadn't come inside. And my mom walked up to me and said, Joey, you owe your father an apology. And I said, why? And he said, because of that, she said, because of that evil thing that you said to him. Now, my mom used really unhelpful language in that moment. She said, she said, uh, she called it evil. This is a, this is a harsh word to use to a seven-year-old. We probably shouldn't accuse seven-year-olds of evil, <laughs> right? Um, so now I feel the burden of having done evil, right? And my mom was an expert at shaming us when we were children. And so burdened with that shame, I walked on the, out onto the back deck and saw my dad sitting on the steps of the deck, staring out at the backyard. And I said, Dad, I'm really sorry about what I said earlier. I didn't mean it. Will you please forgive me? And my dad began sobbing, openly weeping into his hands. And I got scared. I, I, I'd never watched my dad fall apart like this, and I was the cause of his deep woundedness. And so, afraid and overwhelmed and not sure what to do with my big, strong father, my hero, crying on the back deck, I... I walked inside. My dad had a hard day that day, I remember, thinking that he was a terrible father. But eventually he and I made up, hugged, talked it out. My dad apologized to me for teasing me so much, and I learned to change the way that I talk. Here's the lesson, my friends. We can change the way we approach our relationships. If you have done harm, make amends. If you have been harmed, tell somebody how you feel. And then the ball is in their court. But take the risks. Relationships are worth it. I'm in my 30s now. My dad and I are in a great place. We are in the best place we've been in, I think, my entire life. And I'm an addict. I mean, I wasn't exactly the best son to have around or child to have around all the time. 
but your relationships are worth it. What I said was wrong, but what I said was the product of harm I had experienced as a seven-year-old, reading a harmful story about a harmful event that had happened, my mom using shaming harmful language to convince me that I needed to apologize to my dad. So that wasn't helpful. Um, harm, 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 harm. My dad, teasing me, thought he was just having fun, but he didn't realize how sensitive his seven-year-old child was. And he didn't realize that he too was doing harm in the moment. Forgive, forgive, forgive. If you are able to forgive, forgive and apologize and tell the truth to people who have hurt you. Okay. This is how we do the least amount of harm as possible. This is how we live with harming others. Now you may move forward in your life and find that you are hurting Find that you are haunted by things that you've done in the past that you can't take back. Well, there's somebody else that you need to forgive. You. You've been harming you by holding on to this shame. It's time to let it go. Write yourself a letter and burn the letter. Do whatever you need to do, but it's time to let it go, okay? This isn't a perfect answer, but it is a human answer. And that's the best I can give. Okay? Thank you so much. I love you. You are enough exactly as you are. Take good care of you today. And I'll see you tomorrow.